What's going on, everybody? This is Billy Alvaro, episode 50, Unstoppable REI Wealth. Could you believe 50 episodes in? 50. I still feel like I'm a damn virgin to this stuff. Anyway, today on episode 50, I'm interviewing Eric Martel, author of Stop Trading Your Time for Money. And in the book, he goes into how to start buying single-family homes, turnkey single-family homes to build up your wealth and your cash flow. He's the owner of Martel Turnkey. He's out of California, and he's investing virtually in four different states. Him and his uh, son have built up the company where they're doing uh, just over 150 turnkeys a year. Plus, he's an apartment investor. He's an entrepreneur, has multiple other businesses that he owns. You're going to enjoy this. He really pulls back the curtain, gives some really good information on his business operations, how he acquires the properties, how he runs these deals virtually, and uh, how you can start putting your money to work with him in his business and uh, start earning some passive residual income with turnkey single-family homes. I hope you enjoy the, the show. Welcome to Unstoppable Real Estate Investing Wealth. My name is Billy Alvaro, a.k.a. The Unstoppable VA, former billion-dollar mortgage banker, gone bankrupt, turned professional real estate investor, where each week you'll learn the tools, strategies, systems, and secrets myself and other highly successful real estate investing entrepreneurs use to start grow and scale their businesses, creating massive profits and how you can too. And we'll teach you how to put those profits to work so you no longer have to. Get ready to finally experience financial freedom and generational wealth. Now let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of Unstoppable REI Wealth. I'm your host, Billy Alvaro. I'm with you today with another episode and I have a gentleman on the line from the West Coast, Eric Martell. Eric, welcome to the show today. Well, well, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate awesome. it. Awesome, brother. So, Eric, give us a little background of, of who you are and uh, what you do. Well, so I uh, basically I'm a owner of uh, Martel Turnkey. So we uh, we started to do it. We're basically a turnkey provider. But uh, the way that I started, it's kind of like a kind of a long journey to get there. And that was never really kind of like uh, the intention, but uh, basically based on what we had seen in the market like we decide okay well this is there's a real need in here, here for us to to do turnkey uh, single family rental for people that want to achieve financial freedom i love it where's your so turnkey just so people that are listening if they're new turnkey means what Turnkey means that uh, we're basically doing everything that we need to do for the customer and then the end product is basically ready to go for our investors and are so basically cash flowing from day one. Uh, so that means that we've bought the distressed property, we rented it out, we renovated it, rented it out. Uh, and we're connecting the new, uh, the new investor with the lender, with the property management company, with the insurance company. And literally when they sign, when we close the deal, everything is ready to go and it's cash flowing. I love so it. that's what we mean by turnkey. I love it. All right, so I want to get into, into this thing. So you're in the yeah. single family space, and That's apartment, correct. We do single family. Really single family. And we, we find we also do apartment buildings, but really I think the focus for a lot of the people that are getting started, it's a little bit of a jump to go from W2 job to apartment buildings. That's what a single family a rental is. Uh, is a great space for people to get their feet wet get started, build a little bit of uh, portfolio uh, and see if that's the kind of thing they want to do. And then they can move on to the apartment building. All right. So let's talk about how you go about sourcing your deals. What does that look like? 
So we uh, we actually have a couple of people that are responsible for the acquisition. But really, if we look, if we step back, how we selected the markets, I think that was also something that was very unique because you can imagine that finding cash flowing properties in the United States it doesn't happen everywhere. Yeah, as you mentioned earlier, I'm on the West Coast, so impossible. Impossible. Well, you can, but you just basically have to buy the thing cash. <laughs> <laughs> and then your return is just uh, your cash on cash return is horrible. So we had to find other markets to do that. And we kind of went to the, the, the whiteboard and say, OK, what are some of the criteria? What are other investors doing? What? And uh, so that's when we came up with uh, Memphis, St. Louis, Cleveland and, uh, and Detroit. So these are the four markets that we're in right now. And um, we work with a team on the ground. So we're working we're working with people that have been there, like realtors, uh, basically one key realtor in each of the market that is really on the pulse of what's happening in the market. And they're telling us, they're guiding us and telling us uh, this neighborhood is up and coming. This is the neighborhood you want to be in. This is low crime, blah, blah, blah. And then we capture all of that and we, we invest very specifically in the, the key neighborhoods where they're going to be cash flowing, BNC class. And then we know that the school is going to be good. The crime is relatively low. So that's kind of where we invest. And then we have two acquisition people that uh, analyze all the deals. And we normally source them from MLS. About half of our deals come from MLS. A quarter of the deals uh, come from pocket deals from the realtor. And then another quarter come from uh, wholesalers. So you're finding properties on the MLS that are going to be cash flowing at a decent yeah. Yes. That's incredible. Especially in this market now. I mean, that, that's yeah. pretty, pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Most of our deals actually come from MLS, yeah. And so, all right, so you're going out. Let's talk about how you decided on the four markets you're in. What did that look like? How did you go about determining, like, okay, these are the four markets we narrowed it down? I know you said you whiteboarded it. Yeah. What did you actually measure and look at? What key indicators did you look at? So the, our key element was uh, landlord friendly. So that basically knocked out like almost half yeah. the states right there, right? Yeah. So because we knew what it was like in California, we knew what it was like in other markets. And now in California, they have like, you know, statewide like rent control, basically. So we knew we didn't want to be in that in that state. So that was our first criteria. Then after that, you kind of have to figure out kind of like the, the 1% rule, but kind of like at a high level, at, at an economic level. So you would look at the median house value, you would look at the median uh, rent, and then you would look at the uh, house affordability index. So we calculated for us like live, we have the, the formula, so we're doing it there. And these are the key things. But then we also don't want to... Um, we don't want to have a hot market, right? And, and a hot market typically would have like very high, high growth, business growth. They would have also like a lot of uh, population growth as well. So we kind of stay away from those cities and we stick to the ones that have about like 1% population growth, about 2 or 3% business growth, and then um, kind of like GDP growth for the city or the MSA. And that's kind of give us a good indication that, okay, well, this is growing, but it's growing at a sustainable rate. And that means that there's no, it's not an exuberant market where everybody's going crazy trying to find an apartment like in San Francisco or the Bay Area or, um, you know, others like in Arizona, for example, where everybody's scrambling to find a place to live because the population is growing so rapidly, they can't build enough to supply the demand for the housing. So that's, uh, that's how we determine these markets. It's incredible. And what are the four markets you said in Memphis and what are the other Memphis. Three? 
Memphis, Cleveland, St. Louis, and Detroit. And the first house that we bought actually was it was hey, in I'm Memphis. Sorry, you said Detroit. Yeah. yeah. And, and you, you said low crime rates earlier, then you said Detroit, so I don't get the... Well, uh, it's, it's on the outskirt of, uh, of Detroit, so it's not exactly like, it's not the core of Detroit, it's kind of like a, on, a little bit on the suburb uh, area of Detroit. Yeah, so the outskirt. A very up-and-coming area, very clean, uh, very uh, low rate, fairly new schools and all of that, so yeah. So when you go there, a, it looks very nice. You feel very safe. Let me just say. <laughs> <laughs> give give the listeners an idea in Detroit. What would be the average purchase price of a property in that area? And this is turnkey after it's been renovated, completed the whole nine yards. So after it's been renovated, you could get uh, that turnkey rental for about a hundred to hundred twenty five thousand dollars, and, and that would that is about a thousand to twelve fifty. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you would cash flow about $300 a month on that property. So Easy. after you've paid the property management, uh, everything, all your expenses and your principal and interest for the mortgage. And in these areas, um, Eric, I'm assuming you don't have your own management team there. You're outsourcing the management, the property management? That's correct. Yeah. We feel that uh, it's better. If we had our own property management company, we feel that it would be some kind of conflict of interest because... Um, you know, like we could like kind of like not do as good a job, let's say, on the, on the renovation, because we know we would get paid in the back end from uh, from the customer. Right. So we, we felt like uh, when we were looking at other turnkey providers and how they did business, we didn't like that fact that a lot of them were actually the property management at the back end as well. So that's why all these uh, property management companies are third party property management company, and they actually do their own quality check before uh, we put them up for rent. All right. So what about in these areas, you're picking these properties up, you said 50% of the MLS, 25% pocket, the other 25% wholesale. Mm-hmm. Do you have your own construction teams in these area or do you have project managers that are on your team exclusively? What does that look like on the rehab side? Yeah, so we have project managers on the uh, on site, and then we have contractors. So all the contractors are um, they're independent contractors that are working on these projects. Uh, for example, in Cleveland, we have about fifteen uh, construction crews, uh, and then we have a bunch of project managers that are on top of that. And then we have you know kind of like the realtor that's also keeping an eye on this yeah. whole thing, being kind of like a, the over the CEO of the market. Yeah. So, and we're doing that for uh, in Memphis a little bit similar as well. But I also have my son that's uh, in Memphis as well that's handling the the construction projects there. And um, but again, independent contractors that are doing the projects for us and renovating them. And your PMs that they work exclusively for you, or are they are they outsourced as well? Are they working for other people. Well, technically, they can work for other people. So they're outsourced, but uh, we keep them busy. We do 150 houses, sell 150 houses a year. So that's that brings us like to about 10 to 15 houses uh, a month that we are going that are going through. Wow. Currently, we have about 100 projects that are at different stages of development. So we keep them busy is my point. And then, uh, yeah, yeah techni- technically they can go and work. They're independent. They can work for other people. But, uh, yeah, there's no point in us doing that. I and mean, we keep them busy. How are you going about managing the projects? What system or process are you utilizing on the construction side? Because you're in four geographic areas. You have multiple mm-hmm. hundred units at one phase or another that are in the process of getting constructed. How do you manage that? What's the software? What's the tools that you utilize to do that? 
Yeah, so the uh, project manager on site and the uh, the property management company also is often involved in that. They have their own tool to manage that. And they're basically giving us a status report on a weekly basis or sometimes on a daily basis about the progress of each of the project. Okay. Uh, they send us uh, pictures and, uh, and videos of, uh, of the property, the progress, and then we can monitor ourselves what, what happens. So then we have this... Your standard yeah, yeah. procedure is like a Dropbox or, or a Google Drive yeah, that your yeah. PMs are uploading. So they have their own construction software, some form of it, yeah. and they, each one has their own different process. But you've standardized it to where – so what is it going into Google Drive, Dropbox? How do you get reported to? Well, some of them, they do, they do Dropbox, and then we look at the Dropbox. Other people are using a software called Company Cam. So that's what yeah. they're using in Memphis for that contractor. So, yeah, so then we, if we need the pictures, then we would put them in our Google Drive. But, uh, yeah, typically it just stays on, on their system, and then we can, we can look at that. And there's also inspection, like property inspection that happen, when we, especially when we're selling the property to the vendor. There's additional inspection that are going on, and the property management company is also doing a quality check on the properties. So we have and a few different groups. Are they doing that as they're actually doing the renovation or after the fact when it's on the sale? After side? the fact. Once the, when, no, after, after the fact when the renovation is complete and before we, uh, we actually rent it out. Yeah. Right. So that's another pair of eyes really that are, they're looking, you know, at the property, making sure that it's good and ready to go for a tenant. So, so Eric, I mean, you're West Coast, you're originally from Canada, you're doing four geographic areas. I'm assuming this company is basically virtual. Is that yes, an accurate statement? Absolutely. Yes. So all your absolutely. inventory is coming to you computer-wise, online. What's the structure inside your office? Who's doing the analysis and what does that look like? How are you analyzing your deals to determine this is the deal we want to take down? Yeah, so uh, we have like two people that are responsible for the acquisition. So they basically have, you know, they, they have the model, they have our, our buy box, they know exactly what it is, and then they go and do, they do their research. And eventually they also look at taxes, what the taxes is going to be. They look at what the market trend should be, what the after repair value should be. And then they determine kind of like, what is the price that we can sell it at? And does it make sense for our customers? Because we're, we're trying to get them a good return on their investment as well. So if you know that we can sell it at this price and then this is the rent and then this is how much, you know, we do all the calculation for them to kind of hit uh, about like 10 to 12 or sometimes 15 percent cash on cash return. So that's our goal. You know, we really analyze the exit and then we kind of backtrack it to what should we buy the, the property at? Should we buy the property at all? And then once they decide that it's time to move forward, they put the house under contract and then it goes through our process and system. And eventually it hits our CRM. We have a customer relationship management software. And then, then we keep track of the whole flow after that from completion of the acquisition, the construction, you know, and the sale, sales process associated yeah. with that and the closing. This is interesting. How many looks, how many leads do you guys have to look at in order to take down 150 properties a year? What do those numbers look like? So we have a lot of repeat business. So a lot of our people are uh, the, the customers that we sold to. They want to build a portfolio of rental properties. Yeah, but right? I'm talking so, about the front end. So how many leads yeah. do you have to look at to convert? To convert it, our conversion rate from the lead intake to this to the actual customer, somebody buying is about is two point three percent. You got it down, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're looking so for every hundred units you're looking at, you're, you're closing two point three, yeah. two and a half. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what's your average uh, profit, your margin on each deal that you look to achieve as a company? 
So it's it's uh, the the gross profit margin is about fifteen percent, and then uh, then we end up you know uh, around the five to five percent on the net profit margin when everything is uh, is uh, is done. Yeah, but it's also so it's a pretty up. yeah it's a pretty slim margin. The fifteen percent gross profit margin is is pretty standard. The net profit margin is uh, is also pretty standard. It's a pretty slim business. You know, our profit is not that, not that it's not a big number, but, and we have to do a lot, a lot of those yeah. to, uh, to make it. So it's very, it's highly transactional. Yeah. It's a very big, big time transaction business. Do you yeah. and your family have your own rental portfolio? Uh, yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. So we have, uh, we actually have apartment buildings, but um, we are really on the single family side. We kind of, uh, this is, we don't keep any, any single family right now. We started, that's how we started in this business. We started by, we had no intention of doing a turnkey, <laughs> becoming a turnkey provider. We were just building our portfolio. We bought our first house in Memphis. And then our friends and family decided, they, they were wondering what we were doing. And it's just like, okay, well, this you're investing in where, where Memphis, why Memphis? And then you end up having the, all these conversations and say, well, I want, I want to invest in Memphis. I want to do this. And I want to invest with you guys. I want to have a rental. And that's kind of how we got started. And sexiest business out there. Everybody wants to get involved and get the returns. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, when we tell them what uh, what kind of returns we're getting, and some of them invest uh, in California or we're investing in California. And this is like, well, your returns are way better than mine. And, you know, so, yeah. Yeah. So out of curiosity, do you, because I know your primary business is the turnkey piece, but do you have a section of your, of your business that's acquiring multifamily? Uh, yes, that's, yeah, that's right. But, and then actually some of these, uh, some of these apartment buildings, we, we had like five apartment buildings in Memphis, Midtown Memphis, and actually we sold three of them. Because we finished the construction and we kind of like bring, brought them up to market uh, in over, about like 18 months to two years each. So great returns on those things. And then the fourth one is going to be, we're actually closing on Friday on our fourth one. And then the, the fifth one, we're going to finalize the construction in the next uh, year or so. And then nice. we're probably going to, I'm not sure what we're going to do with that one. This one is in a prime location. So we might sell it or we might uh, refinance it. I'm not sure exactly, but in the end, I mean, we always look at the numbers. We always look at the returns. Sure. And then, so we have a pretty unique situation is that we're looking at the returns on our, our business, our cash on cash return for the turnkey business. And then we're saying, well, you know, these returns are, are better. They're, they're better than what we're getting on the apartment building if we were just to let it cash flow. So that's why we sold some of these apartment buildings because we can get a much better return for our money on the turnkey side and it helps grow the business right yeah yeah absolutely i'll just out of curiosity on the apartment side are you syndicating or are you is it all family money two of the buildings were just family family money and this is actually how i became financially free i sold my primary residence and invested in uh, got the equity and bought the apartment buildings and invested in martel turnkey and then that's kind of how I was able to say, get off the W two jobs, and then uh, just spend my hundred percent of my time on the real estate side. So the other ones we have, I wouldn't call it a, it's a, it's a somewhat of a syndication. We call it more like a joint venture. We have a joint venture agreement with these individuals, and it's just like two or three other investors that are in in these buildings. So we just signed a joint venture agreement, and uh, the property is owned by a manager manager LLC. 
And that's kind of how we're, how we're doing it. These are people that we had a good relationship with them. They were investing with us on the turnkey side. Right. And then they right. had extra money and uh, say, hey, you want to join us on this one? And then we moved them to the, uh, the apartment yeah. buildings. Put the friggin' money to work, man. Put the exactly. money to work. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you, you're preaching to the choir here because uh, to me, that's the same thing. I mean, when I look at people look at their bank accounts and they see a big number, a big number, and then they think, oh, this is good. I, I feel good about it, that big number. And for me, like, it's just like, why is that money sitting there? And <laughs> this yeah. needs to go to work. I have we have a safety, like kind of like a safe zone where we try not to go below. But yeah, I mean, every penny is going out and uh, we make sure that it's being invested. Otherwise, yeah, it doesn't work out. Yeah, you have and to put your money. Yeah, yeah. And the, yeah, the trick to that is that you really have to have a very good handle on your cash flow. So we actually developed a, a tool, a pretty unique tool that's looking at all our pipeline. It's looking at all our outflows, like uh, the rehab bid and stuff like that, how much we've paid out on the rehab bid and where things stand in terms of development. And we're predicting or we're projecting kind of like the cash flow for the next two months. And then we know kind of like where we're going to be, you know, what do we need to do? Do we need to push some closing? Do we need to uh, closing in terms of acquisition? How do we need to handle if they were, we have a cash flow issue? So that that is absolutely critical for us to make sure we are always afloat. We never have any cash flow problems, any cash flow problem, you know. Is your background or what's your background? Are you, were you uh, a, an accountant, CFO? Like? I'm a, I used to be an actuary. That's what I used to be. So that was the, yeah. uh, the math of financial risk. Uh, yeah. And I worked as an actuary for, you know, probably six years, I think, six, seven years uh, back in, in Canada. And then every, every day or every week, I would just kind of close down corporate pension plans and convert them into like 401ks, basically savings account. Yeah. And it was not pleasant. And yeah, (laughs) yeah, because that's really like, that's shifting the risk of a lot of people that the risk of retirement that's shifting it from the employer, the employer was guaranteeing them a certain amount of retirement income. And now it's falls right on the shoulders of the employees who doesn't know how to invest, doesn't know how much they need to save. They don't, You know, that's not, and they're working full time and then they expected to figure out how this uh, 401k money is going to be converted into a stream of income at retirement. It's uh, unrealistic. And this is why I wrote the book basically to, uh, to help people achieve financial freedom. And what is the name of that book? Uh, Stop trading your time for money. Well said, exactly. And where exactly. do they buy it? Amazon? Amazon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I love it. Good stuff with that. Yeah, good stuff. You know, you, you mentioned about the cash flow piece. We brought in a, a CFO, a fractional CFO, about a, a year ago, and it's transformed the way we do our business because mm-hmm. I can't, I'm looking back over the last eight years on the investing side, and we had a handle on our books. We, you know, we knew the profitability, we knew what the balance sheet was like, but the forecasting piece is what we were missing. Yeah. And when you have somebody come in that can really start forecasting cash flows and where you're going to be and six months, a year, year and a half out based on what the pipeline is and based on what your conversion rate is, it can and will transform your business. Cause then, you know, okay, eight months from now, we should be sitting on in excess of a seven figures, million, million two. What can we do with that money? How can we deploy it? What assets can we put it into? So you might be cash poor in the bank, but yeah. you're going to be having assets where you get the write down, then you have the cash flow coming in. So extremely important when you start building Absolutely. your business to understand where your cash position is going to be. And a lot of entrepreneurs yeah. don't look at it. 
They look yeah. at some of them only look at their bank statements. <laughs> they don't even look at yeah. a PL. You know, little and that's very happy. scary. Yeah, that's very scary. I mean, the PL is important. I mean, we actually do like a project by project profitability analysis. Yeah. And we're looking at that on a quarterly basis. And then so, and we compare what we expected versus what we actually did. And then we yeah. kind of figure it out that way. So that's good. We also look at the overall profitability once we take into account like the op- operating expenses and all of that. But yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, the cash flow, understanding that, you know, yeah, maybe you're cash poor right now, but I know that I have, you know, especially when you do 150 transactions a year. You have a I lot mean, of money tied up in deals. Yeah, exactly. And then you don't, if you have like 10 or 20, right now I know that I have like about like 15 deals that are going to close early in December. So it, my cash flow looks like this and then, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, then I know that, okay, I can still acquire because I know that this money is going to come in in December. Like, so knowing that kind of tells you, uh, can I push on the accelerator or you got to put up, I have to push on the brake. You know? So this is absolutely critical. And that's, that's what moves your company. And you can be, uh, if you know that information, then that really helps you kind of make decisions and kind of like, again, pushing on the gas, improving your profitability or stopping and, <laughs> and then making sure that you have the money in to pay the contractors yeah. and close some projects. Knowing that information is power in and of itself. And if you utilize it the right way, you could get yourself out of a jam because you could be overspending or overinvesting and not realize, holy Christ, I'm going to have yep. a cash flow crunch in four months if I keep doing what I'm doing. So just the information is extremely powerful. I, I can't yep. doubt enough. Like small business, you don't have to go out and hire a full-time CFO. We have a, a fractional CFO and we pay him very well, but he is worth his weight in gold. We meet every two weeks for a couple of hours. And then once a month, we have a, a larger meeting. Once a quarter, we have the planning session. Twice a year, we're going over things. So it's like, I don't know how we, I actually did it for the seven or eight years prior to, I mean, we, we were very good. We were very profitable, but the forecasting piece is the most yeah. important piece that a company needs. And without that, like you're kind of flying semi-blind. You're always looking, driving forward, but you're looking in the rear view mirror. Like you're looking at what you did, but not at what you're, you're going to do, what's coming up down the road. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then you're looking at it and then you either take it very, very safe and then you have too much money in the bank that just you look at your bank account and it's like, I have a lot of money. What do I do? Or you end up in a situation where, you know, you get bills from contractors and then you say, well, okay, well, hold on. I'm not, I can't pay. Yeah. <laughs> right. No. And they say, what, well, where's the money gone? I've been, I'm making all this profit. Where's the money gone? Well, the yeah. money is tied up into projects now. Yeah. And um, so, yeah. You can't pay your contractor, you can't sell. So. And if you can't pay your overhead and your operating expenses, you're out of business. That's right. That's yeah. right. So it's key. Tell us, let's talk about now. We went over acquisitions. We went over your process of how you're doing this virtually on the, on the rehab side. Yeah. Let's talk about an important aspect, which is your buyers, right? Because these are not one-offs. These are people who are creating wealth with you and yeah. they're buying properties consistently over time. Let's first break down, how do you go out and find these individuals to bring them into your network? And what does the education look like that you have to give them to get them to believe in the Martel method, if you will? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, we're, we're out there, my, my son and I, and, uh, you know, we're out there and 
having YouTube podcasts. We, uh, I wrote a book and my son Antoine also wrote a book and we're out there talking to people, educating. I actually came back from, uh, Antoine and I, my son, uh, came back from the, uh, the real estate domination conference in Vegas. And then, so we, we go out there, we, we present, we, uh, we go to meetups and educate people. That's my goal. That's why when I wrote the book, I just wanted to, I wanted to give almost all the information that I can to make people successful so that they can do the transaction on their own using the book. Some people need a mentor and all of that. And I say, well, you know, yeah, find somebody that you know that can, man- you can mentor you and all of that. And I think that one of the uh, one of the key tool as well is that people need to realize that what they can, what they can do, what kind of resources do they have that's available, and that's what I talk a lot about about that. And I say, well, people, everybody wants to do something super sexy. I want to do uh, this great office tower in downtown Detroit or whatever. But, okay, well, you don't have the resources for that. You don't have the money for that. You don't have the time to do this. You're working full time. So let's be realistic here. Where where do you want to go? What are the right, the strategy that really fit your your time and resource criteria? So that's what we talk a lot about that because we, we want to help people and people are, are just kind of like going around all over the place uh, looking for one shiny object after another instead of focusing on one particular strategy that will work for them, guarantee, and uh, it's going to take a little bit of time. And that strategy is single family rental. Uh, and that, that's, the, that's the ideal way. And that's what we're kind of pushing or promoting. Yeah. We don't care if they buy from us. We just think that it's important that the people start investing in, uh, in that. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a shame because the buy and hold part of this business is by far the most important way to create wealth. But people are drawn to the quick buck, the fix and flip. Let me get those chunks of cash in. And they don't realize that the wealth is really built, the cash flow is really built on the back end when you stop buying and holding. But it's not sexy, right? Yeah, Who oh, absolutely. About buying a single-family house and making exactly. three hundred bucks a month. Nobody. That's right. Everybody That's right. wants to talk about let's fix a property, flip it over, and I just made eighty grand. And what can I do? Made eighty. And like you know, like you, I like to educate the younger and the middle-aged people that want to invest. And look, fixing and flipping and wholesaling is an end to a means to an end. It's yeah. meant to take the cash. It's not meant to build your business and only do that. It's meant to take the cash flow from that, those chunks of cash, and put it in investments like you're saying, single family cash flows or apartment buildings or something that you're going to put their money to work so they, they no longer have to. And just, exactly. you know, I see a lot of guys get caught up in this rat race, and it's great to speak about how much money you're making. But what do you actually have for your future? Where's yeah. the wealth? What's your net worth? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So I, I couldn't agree more. And I think that uh, what's, what's really important is that people need to figure out that time is their real uh, asset or their real wealth. This is what you want to get. You want to get more and more of that. And if you're working on the W-2 job, I mean, you're basically selling your time away to somebody else. You want to get in a position where you can get into uh, and buy your time back so that you can really do. If you're really interested in doing some kind of a very special type of investment that takes a lot of effort, then get your passive income in gear. And then after that, once you your passive income is paying for your living expenses, then quit your job and then spend your time doing this other strategy. But until then, focus on a strategy that's very, very passive. And um, the other thing too that I see is a lot of people are 
yeah, like you mentioned, right? Somebody's uh, is looking and say, "Oh, I made eighty thousand dollar profit," and then I talk to them and I say, "Well, you know, you can buy this rental property and you can make two hundred and fifty dollars a month in net cash flow." <laughs> right. And then they're looking at me like, "What? Yeah, that's not worth it. That's two hundred and fifty dollars a month. Like I'd make more than that in a, I make more than that in a day for sure. I make that in a, in, my, in a morning. Yeah. So why the hell would I spend my time doing that?" Well, and that's so my true. question is why? Why should they spend the time doing it? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. People don't look at relative. They don't, they also don't look at relative. Everything is relative. So eighty thousand dollars. If you had to invest two million dollars or eight hundred thousand dollars to get that, I mean, this is a specific return. That's you know ten percent return. But if you go and put twenty thousand dollars down, and then you end up getting two hundred fifty dollars a month or three hundred dollars a month, then you end up into the twelve or fifteen percent return. Right. Or if you had to you know, you have to look at the return, your cash on cash return on these things and then to, to maximize that. And in fact, eighty thousand dollars on eight hundred thousand dollars in California, you're not going to see that. The typical return here is around is more around like three percent. And people are good with that because they look at the numbers and say, oh, I made one hundred thousand dollars or two hundred thousand dollar profit. But how much effort, how much risk did you take in order to do that? You put a lot of money at risk. You had to get a hard money lender and all of that. And if your project is delayed by two months or three months, then that's it. Where you were in the green at 3% and now two months later, now you're in the red at 5%. I couldn't imagine doing deals like that. I mean, the no, $200,000 no. seems great, but when you're talking two, 3% margin, yeah. no way. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. And too much yeah. For, for the room. That's why we moved out. That's why we moved out of here because it, it didn't make sense. Like, um, yeah, we can make enough return, and I was just like, might as well just stay in the, put it somewhere else. I have yeah. less less risk, a little bit easier. So the the uh, getting back to the end buyers, right? So yeah. how many units on average do you? I'm sure you calculated. Does your mm -hmm. average buyer have that they purchase from you over the lifetime that they've been with you? I don't know. You know, what does that look like? Yeah, it's about three. It's two point seven per two point seven houses. So that's kind of where we are. So three three per, three uh, houses per person. But then it's very interesting. I mean, it takes a while for people to. Normally, it takes about the like thirty thousand dollars, twenty five to thirty thousand dollars to for the down payment and closing costs for them to buy the house. So it sometimes it takes uh, for some people it takes a little bit longer to come up with that cash to buy, buy the property. Other people, you know, they can do a little bit faster, obviously. But yeah, that's, uh, so it's nice when you see somebody that has bought a house and now they're buying a second one and a third sure. one. And yeah. uh, so they're kind of on, on track. And it's very nice when you're talking to someone that is in their, they're 25, like there's one guy in particular that I talked to him about real estate and he was actually in the construction business and he was just like, okay, so how many houses do I need? Like, well, I said, what's, what's your, in, what's your expense? Like how much do you spend? How much do you need to live on uh, per year? And say, well, I need like, you know, $5,000, let's say, or $3,000. I said, okay, well, so this, if you have like a house that's making $250 a month in net cash flow, well, you need 20 houses to do that. So that means like, and he said, that's it? Only 20 houses and then I'm financially free? This is unbelievable. So now he's like very motivated. To yeah. get there you're, you're um, tapping into their brain you're opening them up because they just they don't teach this stuff in school and it's a shame like the school systems don't teach financial freedom financial wealth they don't teach anything about how to better yourself financially and like 
this stuff is not rocket science, but no. to many it is. Yeah. And, you know, with your book and with your teachings and going out there and just opening people's minds, you're changing their friggin' lives. Mm-hmm. Like you're putting them on a completely different path. Good, good for you and your son for doing that. It's good oh, stuff. Thank you. You change thank your lives. You. Yeah. Well, I figured I had destroyed enough uh, corporate pension plan. I, the least I could do is help people. <laughs> it's not my fault. It was just a job, you know, my job. Was just, you do what your boss say. Yeah, that's great. Listen, Eric, first off, let's talk about, they, they can find your book, the name of the book again. I want to give it a plug and it's on Amazon. What is it? Yeah. Stop trading your time for money. Go get the book, guys. I'm going to put a link in the show notes to that as well. And then if they want to find out about investing with you and your company on buying some of your turnkeys, how do they uh, go about finding you guys? So uh, maybe the best way is to start a conversation with me on Instagram, E underscore Martel. You can also find me on Facebook, uh, eric.martel.ca. So that's a good way to do that. And my company website is martelturnkey.com. So perfect. All these places. All over the place. Well, listen, man, you have been very good interviewing on the show. You're a Canuck. Now living yep. in California. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I love it, man. You've been no more snow. snow. No more snow. No, you're done with the snow. Now you just have high taxes. That's it. Yeah, that's right. So that's the next problem. California's crazy with the tax bases, man. Yeah, I mean we're we're looking at that, but I'm I'm pretty good because I have other businesses too that I'm doing, and I can actually like I have a trucking business, for example, so uh, on the road trucking. So I use that. So when I buy trucks, then I can do like bonus depreciation on that. So that yeah. helps. Yeah. I also launched an endowment fund this year, so that's also uh, another way where we are um, saving money. Um, yeah, so yeah, a few, a few different uh, things like that that uh, that we're doing to minimize our tax tax yeah. footprint and the biggest one is real estate <laughs> yeah that's I'm fantastic sure. yeah, yeah yeah all the apartment buildings yeah we always did like a cost segregation and then bonus depreciation on those so yeah you get massive write downs with that yeah yeah eric it's been wonderful thank you so much for joining me today sir appreciate your time yeah thank you billy thank you thank you so much for listening to today's episode of unstoppable real estate investing wealth my mission is to give you, my listeners, the blueprint for success, the insider secrets for starting, growing, and scaling your real estate investing business so you can experience and live the unstoppable lifestyle. I've made it simple for you. To catapult yourself to success, go to billyssecrets.com. That's B-I-L-L-Y-S secrets.com. There you will find every single tool, tip, trick, strategy, system, and secret used to make millions of dollars as a real estate investor. Everything my team uses and my guests use all in one place for you to tap into so you can start, grow, and scale your real estate investing business. I really hope you implement what you're learning. I hope you utilize these tools, tips, tricks, strategies, and secrets, and I hope to see you on the next episode. God bless. Bye-bye.